Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. Yeah, now we're live recording. I am here in the Studio B basement coronavirus shelter here in my home office. Um, man, there's no windows in here. So if I, if I go a little crazy, you all know why. But let me introduce my guest. We're going to have so much fun today. We're going to have a blast. We're going to learn. We're going to talk marketing strategy. We're going to talk about Paris, France, and dancing. She is a marketing leader, over 20 years of experience across both B2B and B2C, corporate side, the communication side. She's a builder. She's a dancer, a collector of experiences too. And she thrives on change, which is cool because we have a lot of changes going on right now. And also at the same time, not so many when we're all stuck in home. Uh, agency experience, large and small. Her specialties include marketing and sales alignment, cross-channel communications planning. I need to learn about that. Training and development. The CMO of Mediafly, Isabel Papulius. Welcome to the show. Hey, hi, Casey. Thank you for having me. Speaking of being stuck uh, at home, I'm welcoming you from our, my, uh, my stuck-at-home Chicago one-bedroom. 
all right well one bedroom and and wow so is this like the first human contact you've had in a couple weeks <laughs> yes i have been waiting for this podcast I, for weeks thank as you have I, as have finally I. <laughs> <laughs> finally someone is talking to me uh you're no longer in isolation you're not in the tank anymore you're you're finally free so this is our marketing leadership series talking to senior level marketers understanding what strategies they're looking at the way they approach things and getting some people to call out some bullshit and just say what's real here in the marketing world so i want to pass you this it's imaginary thor's hammer because the real one is in back in my office uh <laughs> take this hammer here and there you go you got it oh wow you picked that up you yeah it's heavy and i think with that one that's impressive uh smash for me some kind of marketing myth bogus strategy misconception and just set the record straight. Let's do that. Let's do Let's it. Let's set the record straight. Okay. First thing that pisses me off, first yeah. myth. Uh, the CMO role is just about marketing and marketing is not that important and let's just get rid of, this, of CMOs and because we don't need them anymore, right? So this is about the narrative and the noise around how many companies are eliminating the CMO role. Um, it was like McDonald's did that. Or, there's a bunch of them, right? They did yeah, it some of the big ones. And I mean, to me, I get why this conversation is happening, um, but it's misrepresented in the sense that to me, they're not doing without the CMO role. They're just reinventing it. They're calling it something else. And the reason for that is for for so many CMOs, myself included, uh, the role is so much bigger than marketing. I mean, yes, it's the, there's the ing in marketing, right? The ing, which is the, the marketing strategy and execution. Right. I feel like I do marketing every day. I feel like I do uh, a lot more. So, Wait, you know, so you're I, a CMO and you don't do marketing every day? What do you do? Well, Sudoku uh, or? let's see. Uh, <laughs> no, not really. But, you know, it's... Uh, I do go to market strategy. I run the business development team. I run the sales enablement team. I run the solutions engineers. Um, I really, you do the yeah. solutions engineers too? Yeah, I know, which is really which is a bit unusual. Um, I. Um, so what's sales doing? Do they do anything anymore? If you're doing sales, it? oh, they do a lot. <laughs> sales is, uh, you know, sales and marketing are merging. Basically, we're kind of one nice. at this point, at least on MediaFly. We're calling it integration, not alignment. Um, I like that. So, so I, and I recognize that, look, it, you know, it also depends on the size of the company and the needs of the organization, right? So some right. CMOs will be much more focused on marketing strategy and execution, but the reality is many others have enterprise-wide responsibilities, you know, all the way to product innovation. So um, I think what's happening is because... Um, uh, selling has become so hard, especially in the B2B space. Um, marketing is constantly evolving. And as a result, we're, 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 we're cutting it into pieces and creating new roles out of the CMO role is, is my take on the whole thing. Right. So <clears throat> the other myth. Well, hold on for a second. Yeah. Well, you know, with that, you know, I, I, you know, I looked it up because I, I was like, oh, was it McDonald's? No, it was actually Coca-Cola. They mm -hmm. got rid of it. Mm -hmm. And it was something like they got... They got rid of it. I was looking it up back in 2017, um, which is three years ago now. Jeez, I feel like I'm old. Um, and 
apparently they're bringing it back. They had gotten rid of it to be the chief growth officer. Okay, they're just changing right. the word. But then that chief chief growth officer is leaving. He's retiring. So they're bringing back the CMO role. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you're right. And We're see, just kind of playing game. I mean, it's the same thing. We're all yeah. marketing is is in charge of growth. I mean, our 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 goal is growth, right? So right. it's about finding markets and growing existing ones and so call it chief growth officer, call it CMO, call it whatever you want. Uh, the, the, it still goes back to the CMO is the CMO's job is way bigger than just marketing strategy and obviously vision. Right, right. Yeah. So, and you mentioned like what are they focused on? And um, it, one of the things you described is some, sometimes CMOs have product innovation in their in their their pocket, and it reminds me of back in the day. You know marketing was the ones that talked to customers mm -hmm. and maybe all we did was focus groups and other things but at least we had an ear to the ground and we could better inform product because product wasn't so outgoing and out there they were kind of back in their lab creating their widgets and we were kind of the people people who could interface with them and then go over and, and you know it, kind of t tell them what we've learned and, and help out with product yeah, I mean, that's a true, that's what we used to call a customer-centric organization, right? So yeah. it's, it's marketing should have the, their finger on the pulse of the, the customer and, uh, and the trends and, um, you know, how their buying behaviors are changing and what their needs are to inform product innovation. And uh, it's true that, you know, I think it's quite possible and real that, especially in the, the tech industry, um, it's easy to fall in the trap of let's just innovate for the sake of innovation because of what we want to do as opposed to what we think the customers really need. Right. I mean, yeah. I, um, so, so that's a, that's something to watch out. Yeah. For. It's like what yeah. we want. Like, I think I would like sometimes, you know, I'm guilty of this. I, I pretend like I for sure know what our customer's thinking. Maybe mm -hmm. I was our customer five years ago or 10 years ago, actually. But, it's not always the case, and that can be tricky. Like saying, oh, I'm selling to marketers. You might think it's easier if you are a marketer, but at the same time, you, you may not be that customer profile anymore, and you still got to stay connected to them. Exactly, and I don't, but I don't think that's a new idea, right? I mean, the fact no, that, marketing, that marketing should, be, um, should have the, the best understanding of the customer uh, than anyone else in the organization, and that, that is part of our responsibility. Do you think, do you think marketing should? Yes. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny though, because up until recently when I've just been talking to some really smart people like yourself around learning more about your customer, I as a marketer went through a lot of my career in marketing, never interfacing with customers. I think we get kind of wrapped up in the tech. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, I'm an AdWords marketer. I'm a SEO person or just doing email campaigns. And where's the focus on like getting out and learning and absorbing things from your actual customers, mm -hmm. you know? I, well, I, don't I mean, know why it's, it's not so hot, so hot. Yeah, and it's interesting you're talking about this because we're actually going through this at MediaFly now and rolling out a customer marketing plan. And uh, I mean, the customers are, again, we talk about the ideal customer profile, right? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, how do you say it's, it's our customers, right? So you want to glean, you want to get those insights from your customer base to, to, to go get new customers. Right. That's the whole point. Yeah. So right. there's, uh, there's all these... It's such a rich territory, you know, for marketers to be involved directly with customers and understand those relationships and uh, what works, what doesn't, what, um, what made them buy in the first place, uh, what made them leave you if they left you and so right. on. So, 
yeah, just opening that dialogue. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I if if we used to be in the Mad Men days, you know, pouring <laughs> pouring drinks and and interfacing with customers and smoking Lucky Strike, you know, in the boardroom and and, and dialoguing and focus groups. How did we we become so nerdy where we're kind of just sh- we're all shut-ins pre-quarantine, not talking to our customers? It, I, I, to me, it's like it's so neat to like really they said that and and then the vocab they use the words they use yeah. oh my gosh yeah. they kept saying the word fractional or they kept saying this word okay i guess we're gonna adopt their look their language and their vocabulary well that's exactly right so you know we're making assumptions it's sort of like right. are we communicating uh to prospects the right way right uh or not and then you then you have one-on-one interviews with your customers and you do you 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 find new language because that's their language and you realize that maybe the way you've been speaking to prospects is not quite the right way right uh so uh and and no unfortunately i was not in the i missed the madman area in the three-hour lunches and of course you did. And cigars yeah of course you did yeah. do you, were you even around in the 80s or are you a <laughs> 90s child like come on course i can't answer that i'm sorry i, was I said 20 years of marketing experience i'm like what you start when you're four like <laughs> i don't understand this oh come hey. on <laughs> hey most people are listening to this so uh, my name's casey i'm uh you know i'm 150 pounds all muscle don't go to, don't go look at youtube <laughs> um, hey you I- mentioned you mentioned the customer marketing planning that you're doing can you share more about like what what kind of things you're doing with that and What's sort of the overall strategy? Uh, yes. I mean, so it really there's a, you know, what we've developed is really the ideal customer marketing plan. And, and of okay. course, we're not going to do everything, but um, we're going to kind of pick the, the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the first phase of the plan is really, um, I would say is, is more on cross-sell, upsell opportunities, right? Like how do we support like yeah. uh, the, those initiatives? And, um, and um, w- with things like, uh, you know, webinars to customers and uh, newsletters and uh, um, what I call enterprise hackathons. Uh, mm. So having sort of like events, mini events uh, within uh, an existing customer with with um, essentially folks from other lines of business that are not customers yet, right? So right. trying to grow our relationship uh, within other line of, lines of business. So kind of showcasing our product and services and having an event, you know, at what they are, um, all the way to, um, you know, turning our customers into advocates with things like uh, a customer advisory board, for example. Ooh, you know, tell me about that. What, what, how do you make a customer advisory board? Because that sounds really cool, and I, I've never done that. So, you know, I haven't um, built one yet. Yeah. This will be my first. Okay. Uh, but the way we're, uh, we're going about it is, and this is best practice, right? So it's not necessarily something that, that we invented, but uh, sure. is you, you look at your your happiest, most uh, successful customers, really. We start that way, right? Okay. Um, because those are the ones that will be most likely to want to be involved at that level. Um, because a customer advisory board will have, will be a lot more engaged. They'll be able to vet a lot of what you're doing. They'll have um, input into the, the product roadmap. Right. You know, we talked about innovation earlier. So you really want to pick your your best, biggest 
fans within your yeah. customer base to do get it. Get them all together. They may love meeting each other too. Yeah, exactly. It will, absolutely. And, and, but, but within that, it's also important to have diversity. Yeah. So yeah. you don't want to have all the Fortune 500 and like CPG, <laughs> right? Well, that too, but I didn't mean, yes, absolutely. I second that. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you don't want to have your five biggest customers in CPG. I mean, you just want to have a variety of industries, uh, variety of company sizes, roles, right? So we, oh, we, we sell to both marketing as well as sales. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to have an advisory board that's all marketing leads. You True. know, I'd like to have sales sales represented as well. So I think a diversity is important too. Interesting. Do you think that works for a service business as well or is it more around that product innovation? You know, that's a great question. I, I don't see why it wouldn't work for a service yeah. business. I, I've heard of it more, um, you know, for, for product and especially right. technology, but you know, that's also my environment. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I see, I see no reason why I mean, it's an interesting work. thought, right? Like, oh, what other services could we provide, you know, and kind of helps you organically develop more service offerings. I don't know. Maybe it works just the yeah. same. I mean, whatever it is that you're, whatever service product you're providing, right? If you're selling something yeah, uh, and you have <laughs> a, 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 right? I mean, right. And, you, and you have a, a pretty large customer base, it behooves you to build those relationships with your customers and turn them into advocates. Right. So Yeah, I, yeah I, you can't hurt, right? Care to listen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Maybe send them some swag as a thank you. Uh, and you know, know it I'm takes a... you it takes you out of your ivory tower of the yes. back to the the messaging and some of the things yeah. we talked about earlier. Like you know, you assume don't assume you know everything. Right. Right. For sure. Any way you can, you know, get that information other than just making it up in your head. Yeah. Works. Yeah, I want to take you back to that that first myth. I know you got a couple other myths to smash and we're going to smash all day here. So, um <laughs> The question was talking about, you know, some, some CMOs do focus on just pure marketing operations, but then we brought up this product innovation, um, the customer marketing, you know, ideal customer planning. What, what do you think a CMO, can you focus or is the whole point not to focus? And what are the different things you're kind of thinking about whether you're focused on them or not? Wow. You know, that's a great question. And hmm, I'm going to say, and, and this is me because I'm a, I consider myself a generalist. I, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to answer the, answer the question two ways. Okay. You, you shouldn't focus in the sense that your responsibilities are very broad and wide. Right. Right. So there's a lot you need to do across different areas. And... And oh, by the way, you're, you won't be, you personally won't be the subject matter expert in all these areas. I mean, it's not possible. I think right. all of us, all CMOs come from a certain background. So we're subject matter experts in more in one, some areas versus others. But the reality is in that role, the way I've experienced this is it's very much a generalist role, mm. right? So surround yourself, build a team of subject matter experts in their individual um, pillars or silos or whatever you want to call it but you will be bouncing around from area to area. That said, you should have a focus as in, you should have a single-minded focus on your objectives, what success looks like, what you're being measured on, and what the, prior, the, the priorities are at any given time to meet those objectives. So 
um, and I think that's, that's probably one of the challenges is because the role of the CMO is so broad, it's making sure that through all this, the broadness of it and the noise, you really, really keep your eye on the objectives at the end of the day, right. you know, and, um, and, and what priorities do you focus on and do you deploy against that will meet those objectives? Right. Because one thing about marketing is, as we all know, for better or worse, everybody has ideas. You know, yeah. I think every CMO can agree with this. We all get people come to us all day with, let's do this and let's do that. And, let's, and so for me, the filter is always like, like, like I'm, I, I think ideas, great ideas can come from everywhere, but the filter is always, does this serve our growth objectives? Yeah. You know, and uh, in order to filter out and, and or uh, what's not true what's not really a priority filter. yeah uh so I have a cool idea okay cool idea is this going to help serve or, or maybe it will but like how is this going to help the overall mission yeah and what so, is the overall mission what is the exactly objective? right and yeah. so as far as the overall mission and the second part of my answer which was you still have to be focused on what what does success look like and yeah. how is it being measured what's the end goal um you know that's part of the planning process and so i you know we 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 plan quarterly uh at mediafly across the board not just marketing uh and so i uh the team is very clear as as is the rest of the organization of what are what are the marketing priorities um that we are focused on on a given quarter to meet the overarching corporate objectives right and uh and that helps with that focus no, and I, you shouldn't I, have 25 yeah. objectives. You shouldn't have 25 yeah, priorities, by the way. I was going to say, okay. Not 25 goals. You know, the, the, the challenging follow-up question I have to that is it seems like broad and it seems like goals are like the complete opposite. Because like a goal is like a smart goal, you know, 25, you know, deals or leads or whatever you might set those goals to be. And we can talk about what those should be. But broad is like you're looking at everything. So how do you – look at everything i guess it all just has to roll up to the goal is that the case or yeah I mean, yeah it has to roll up to goals yeah. i mean really the way i look at it is more than anything is identify the problem areas or the gaps mm. right so what are we for example you know i i know that and i i feel that our our if you think about the demand the, the demand engine right so of course yeah. being a a CMO at a B2B um, startup in a high growth phase, demand is, is a big priority. You know, it's always about brand and demand and demand tends to, to take priority. Uh, the, uh, our, our, our digital demand gen engine, as I call it, is, is working really, really well, okay. right? So we, um, so, so inbounds, uh, pulling leans into the top of the funnel, we put a lot of hard work over the last year, and I feel like we're in a good, really good place for that. Uh, you know, outbound, which is the other piece of the demand gen engine, and field, not so much, right? So we haven't cracked the code on those two. So I know that that's, in order to hit my uh, growth targets, uh, as, as stated by the CEO, right, for the corporation, and, my, and marketing's contribution to that, I know these are two areas that I still need to address. Right. Right? So that's just to give you a very kind of high level example. No, I get it, right? No, I, I like that. That helps clarify because if you're looking at 
the two different things. Like I have specific goals and I have this huge track of land to look at. You're looking specifically, you know, across that board, are there any gaps that I can plug that might, you know, mm -hmm. make the ride smoother, you know, toward those goals. Do you, do you set, do you set lead goals or revenue goals, mm -hmm. you know, at Mediafly and, and how, what's the best, do you have one goal you look at? Or is there a couple? You said it's not 25. I'm with you on that. <laughs> what, what, what's your, you know, your dream set of goals, the KPIs you look at? Well, the KPIs, so the, the, the KPIs are really uh, pipeline generation and revenue. So it's the same, it's the same as a sales team, right? Which that goes back to, I know we haven't talked about this yet, the, the buzzword of sales and marketing alignment. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all have the same, the same goals in the end. I mean, we, how we work towards the goal is a little different because obviously marketing doesn't actively close deals, but right. yeah, that's the, those are the marketing goals. It's, uh, we have a, a target, a quarterly target for pipeline generation uh and for um revenue that we have to hit and so, and do you get into those sparring matches where you say well we created this pipe or you created this pipe so or, not anymore we used yeah, to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to when our data was one big mess and right and there was no alignment and marketing was new and even sell, you know, there were changes on the sales side, but not, no, not anymore. It's okay. very clearly, we know what is marketing sourced yep. and we know what is marketing influenced and we know what is sourced by sales and other parts of the organization as well. Like our, our, uh, the, the our alliances, which is our channel right. um, group. So we, we've uh, made a lot of progress there. It wasn't always okay. like that. I'll be honest, but no, that's um, it's, it's not, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say that's much of an issue for us at this point. Got it. Was it technology that helped you solve that then? Was it just being able to track and show where it came from? Did that just solve the, the issue? Yes, it was, it was a combination of technology and, and human interaction. Yeah. <laughs> and sure. they, they go hand in hand. You can't hey. have one without the other, right? Uh, technology is not the silver bullet. Right. Um, technology, you know, scrubbing the data, making sure that, you know, our CRM was, was, um, constantly updated the, the right way by all involved. Yeah. And then the human piece is really building trust ac across the, the different teams, understanding that it's a team sport. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that we're better working together than working separately. Yeah. It's got, and, yeah. and you know, we all sink or swim together is what I, call, uh, you know, uh, how I call it at the end yeah. of the day. Um, you know, it's, it's, we all want to build pipeline and, and generate more revenue. And I, I want to say, I kind of don't care where it's coming from. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, we have our targets uh, by team, but at the end of the day, we want the company to do well. Right. Right. So, if everyone's, yeah, if you're doing well, if you're swimming together and it's working, then it's working. But I guess sometimes the challenge could be if it's not working yet, do you have, you know, you have companies where sales is pointing to marketing and marketing is pointing to sales and, I guess so we don't, you find out more about each other when it's not going well. Exactly. You know? And we're, you know, we're past that. Uh, okay, cool. And, and that to me has to do with leadership. So you, nice. and, and that's again, the human element, right? And I talked about sales and marketing alignment before. Yeah. And we talk a lot about when we talk about sales and marketing alignment, we talk, we talk a lot about technology and processes and yep. sales processes and marketing processes. And, and, and it's all good and it's all important. But for me, the very, very first step to that, the first thing that needs to be in place are two leaders that want to align. 
Right. Right. And neither one of us should be sitting in our ivory tower thinking that we know better than the other. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, if I, if I feel like you, I know better than you and you don't have anything to bring to the table, that is not, or vice versa, that will not be a good working relationship. Right. Uh, so to me, that's truly the most important thing. Um, again, I'm bracing the fact that it's a team sport. So right. it's the mindset more than anything, the starting mindset. And that has to be from sales leadership and from marketing leadership, and they trickles all the way down. And if you're aligned on that. You set the tone. Yeah. Yeah, set the all the tone. technology in the world and the processes in the world are not going to, to help us if we're – we're not we're not embracing that mindset to be honest. I feel very very strongly about this. It it seems like one of those points that just makes sense. Um, I know you were wanting to jump into another myth and smash that. What else is on your mind? What anything else driving you crazy? Because I know yeah, we were talking about technology. You know, so I talked about technology and yeah. processes, and this is um, <laughs> that technology is the silver bullet and the solution to everything. So I. Might get a call from uh, my CEO after this, and you know he might decide to fire me because he's gonna be like, "What? You work for a tech company?" Uh, Wait, after he hears the podcast, <laughs> you should be pitching technology. I'm kidding. I'm I'm joking, but what's you his know, name? I, want to give him a shout out? <laughs> hi, Carson. Carson Conan. Carson, woo, woo! That's our fearless, right there. Our fearless leader. No, but I, I recognize the irony of a of a tech CMO saying that technology is not a silver bullet. But we actually talk to our clients about this, right? It's, yeah. It's um, technology is there to enhance humans, right? So if you don't have the, the people resources and the mindset in place, uh, and then, the, the, and then the, the human processes in place, uh, don't get technology. Technology is there to scale that and make it even better. Right. Um, and, uh, and technology takes people resources to deploy, right? Uh, right? And so, so, and manage. So what we tell our clients is, you know, we're in the sales enablement space is let's talk about what your needs are, what your long-term sales enablement needs are. Where, what is, what do you want your sales enablement journey to be? Right. And, and don't get all the bells and whistles. Yeah. Cause so you may not need them. Yeah. Right. So, um, so, so don't, don't get the, uh, whatever the Maserati, if what you need is a Kia and, no offense eh. to those car brands, but um, uh, that's, a, that's a good comparison. I've had a key uh, before. And if you're the job done, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And if you don't, if you don't quite know how to drive yet, or you don't have your license, or you have it but it's new, maybe you don't, shouldn't buy a car quite yet, right? right. So, um, and I think because for those of us who are in the tech universe, I feel like we're almost programmed to jump into technology as a solution to everything. Right. Um, I was actually yeah. having a I was actually having a conversation with a with a company that you know I was considering for right, for something uh, recently and I uh, and I was very excited about it. It was a technology platform and I I mean it was I love what they do uh, and I was ready to buy I was ready to buy and then Hello? I don't know what what. They were pitching you. They were trying to sell to you. They were pitching they were... me. Well, but I reached out to them. So oh, I, I, I genuinely oh, wow. had a need. I genuinely had a need, and I, I got really excited about what they had to offer. And then uh, the weekend came, and I realized, you know what? I can do this without technology. Ah. Like, why am I spending the, you know, why am I, why, why, why will invest the money or, 
but more than anything, the people resources. What kind of a service? I mean, you know, not to out the company, but like, mm. were, you, were you able to, it was just some kind of marketing thing that you just figured out? Yeah, it's works. a kind of marketing thing. And there's a, there is a, um, a simpler, a more, call it like a more traditional way to do it without sure. technology yet. So sure. I will, I will get to that platform eventually. So it's not a matter of, of if, it's more a matter of when. Is that but what you I say to all your sales reps? <laughs> <laughs> but, I, uh, but I realized that I wasn't, we weren't there yet because right. we, we hadn't done our own kind of test and learns and, you know, sort of perfected our process to then scale it with technology. Totally. Totally. I had uh, a similar experience with that. It was um, PPC software. This was back when, when I was, I was like a little a marketing manager and I was, I owned the, the AdWords and mm. there's a software called Clickable. I don't know if it's still mm. around, but it had really good user interface, like cute. Like you're playing a video game on a, on a starship. Like it just, you're like, ooh, and it had it's supposed to have like thinking to it and process and would tell you, hey, this is a bad campaign. This is a good campaign. Hurrah. Like, and like turn it into like child's play to do AdWords. Well, you know, anyone that knows AdWords is a little more complicated than that. I mean, it's simple, but complicated. You have to actually know what they're searching for and give them some good value. And an app is not going to solve your woes. If your campaigns are just terrible to start with, um, then it's not going to magically fix everything, but I thought it might, you know? And so I, I bought that thing thinking fully that it would just change all our campaigns. And actually what changed it was the consultant that we had to help us set it up. That that's who, you know, really helped us mm -hmm. clean everything up and change stuff. Cause it was the strategy more than the technology. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the, the the smart technology providers out there uh they get that yeah you know, and they don't uh they don't try to pitch you and sell you uh if it's on the right time for I've you. Seen and I, I and i yeah. i uh, i have a couple of examples of that or of uh recent interactions with um you know another a big platform a very well-known company that we were considering and to their credit, uh, you know, we started the process of looking into it and had several meetings. And and when we when we when we said to them, you know, this doesn't feel like quite the right time. Like we we don't basically don't have a shit together on yeah. our end, right? Totally. To make the most yeah. out of your technology, they said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and um, and it's another one of those like it's not a matter of if it's one a matter of when, right? But yeah. they 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 get it, and I respect that. I do too. Yeah. I, that's refreshing because I've seen a lot of the opposite where it's the end of the quarter and people end up with stuff that they have no business having. And like a nonprofit, they got saddled with Eloqua, you know, like a tiny little nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need, get out of here. Like, stop, stop doing that. Um, yeah, that's refreshing. You mentioned earlier it was Carson or whatnot and yourself and tech is not the silver bullet. How refreshing is that to have someone actually tell you, you trust someone instantly when they do things like well, that. Well, that's exactly right. You really do. And I'll tell you, the, again, the vendor that I was referring to, uh, the, the big name company that, um, you know. You don't want to give them a shout out? The you want to tell them how great, how great they are? How refreshing? <laughs> well, that's, no, I won't. No, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and, um, you, you trust them more. Like, there's no question that we'll go back to them. Like, when we're ready, it, those are the folks we're going to buy from. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough though. Cause I know you got to close deals for the end of the quarter and sometimes sales can be laser focused on who's buying now. If you're not buying now, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to, but it's cool to have a company that cares like that. Mm -hmm. It's really cool.
Um, well, you, by the way, you mentioned Maserati. I had a chance to drive a Lamborghini one time. Oh, wow. And, I have not. Uh, it was one of these, like um, – You're special. Well, no, it's not mine. Whose was it? I need to hear this. What do you, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you – it's like, oh, Groupon. That's what it was. It was like a Groupon where – you know, I got it for a gift for Christmas where you go show up at this racetrack. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. a closed course and they let you borrow their Lambo. But you know yeah. what was funny? Before you can even touch the thing or get near it, there's all these insurances you can get. And they, they se- try to sell you like 12 of them. One is like cone damage. If you run over a cone and it does anything whatsoever to the body, you might be out like 30 grand. Or you can you can spend mm. twenty bucks on the cone insurance, right? And so there's this whole sales pitch. Or if you don't shift properly and if you try to abuse the engine and you burn out the the, the trans, transmission or anything, that could be like 150 grand. Like they're they're scaring you. And so I definitely got the cone insurance. I didn't need it. I did fine. But um, you know you get in there and it's not it's not the you know, most people can't even drive standard. So I, I used to drive standard Jeep, so I'm good with that. But it's like pedal shifters. People have never seen that before. Um, you know, that you shift at, on the steering wheel and go from one to two to three to four with the clutches like in the wheel, like a race car, which is cool. Hmm. But no one usually knows how to drive that. And you can see how people might burn out the engine. This isn't a Lamborghini, like a, call it like a regular Lamborghini. This is not a, a race car per se. It's just the... The, the regular model. Yeah, I guess if I could say a regular Lamb- Lambo. Yeah, it was just uh, – um, but it was green too, which is neat, that kind of green, weird color, alien color. Um, yeah, and so you know, I was uh, – the, the instructor that's in there with you, they, they shift for you um, until you get – until you figure out how to do it because they're just like – so to your point, like unless you've got that pro in there, like I would either wreck that or – I would be the learning curve would be a little bit weird for me to figure out how to drive that. Same thing with tech, right? Maybe the key is fine to get me to work right now. I'm not driving a, on a racetrack. What do you actually need? And this person that sells you the right car, not just the most impressive one, mm-hmm. you know, that's what, that's what works, you know, get the fun car, but also get one that fits your use case. Yeah. But you know what happens sometimes surprisingly, I find that, uh, companies don't know their use case. They actually don't know. That's they haven't true. thought about yeah. what do I need today? What do I need longer term? And who, who's the best uh, company for me to partner with that will give me um, meet, meet today's needs as well as, as, well as long term needs, right? Right. So, so that's, um, you know, yeah, that's something do that. that we kind of They get sucked into the sales cycle of some tech company and then end up buying or not buying based on sales conversation okay. without that's why i don't think you can have um you know we we actually build advisory services for that reason because oh. we realized that we needed to guide our prospects through the through the process of understanding again what do they want their sales enablement journey to be right. over time right? right and and how do you build a solution that 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 meets those needs so that they don't have to to change halfway through or end up with the wrong technology or whatnot. And it's not, it's not, it's not as simple as just throw the technology at them and then walk away. Right. Yeah. It's certainly not like that. Huh? Well, that's, that's another good myth. Anything else up your sleeves to smash? No, I think that's, uh, that's that's a lot for today. Don't you think? It is a lot for today. We talked about a lot of that stuff. 
you know, really, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, um, who are you? Like, can you take us back to like little Isabel days and, um, you know, what's it like, you know, did you always know you're going to go into marketing and be a CMO or, you know? Oh my God. Hell no. I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, I, no, no. If you had told me things would have worked out that way many decades ago, I would have told you you were completely crazy. Um, really? Yeah, I mean, I, I always uh, liked marketing uh, in school. I liked marketing courses and advertising, especially that's how I ended up in advertising. But uh, no, I, I- Where did you uh, grow up though? Like where- So I grew up, I grew up in, born and raised in Greece from a, okay. a Greek father and a French Greek mother. So I was in a bilingual, bicultural- um, I mean, those are two home. very strong cultures too. So how does yeah. that work? How yeah. do you bring two very strong well, you, languages and cultures? And well, it works really well. Um, yeah. yeah, I, uh, you know, and and uh, you know, one thing that that uh, helped or played a big role is my my parents uh, put me in the in the in the French school in Athens um, instead of the Greek school, and uh, because I was a French citizen through my mother, right. so I was able to attend that school. Uh, free of charge and since they they felt like the greek school system was really bad at the time uh they they opted for the french one and so i found myself that was i i think the most significant uh moment in my life really is is that was was going to that school because it was essentially an international school okay so um they were there were folks from not just french kids there but and it was also a mix of like socioeconomic groups yeah uh they were the you know middle class kids like me who were essentially going to a free school and then you had um you know uh, sons and daughters of like diplomats who were going there and and for them it was essentially a private school they had to pay tuition uh because they weren't french right uh and so i think it was a, a a great useful early exposure to um different cultures and and um and people from different different socioeconomic groups right and in addition to that because we were a foreign school you know within greece we had a lot of exchanges with the other expat schools right so we had exchanges with the german school and the american school and the british school so uh i was already coming from a bicultural home speaking two languages and then i got exposed to even more cultures yeah and so this this cultural level and with multiple cultures and languages as well as uh, this notion of oh hey the world is my oyster and it's like yeah. global citizens that whole thing right I mean, we wouldn't have those words back then um but i think it just became a like an obvious thing for me right so yeah. when i moved when i moved to france to go to school um to university and then from from france i enrolled in a exchange program between the city university of paris and the city university of new york it was a pilot program uh you know i found myself found myself in uh, in new york at 19 arriving and not not knowing anyone and it was like whatever i'm here hi wow. because I, I had this i don't know comfort level with with cultures and um right uh and languages i mean by then i spoke four languages because i had also learned spanish so, so french greek English and Spanish. Wow. Do you still kind of have all of those at the ready? Yeah, it's probably more like three and a half languages at this point. Spanish is, uh, I understand it fully, but since I don't use it so much, you know, I can have a conversation that's going to be a little broken. 
that's amazing. Um, I, I can see how you could have, if you had gone to the Greek school, you would have been kind of fo more focused locally, like you, exactly, were, like, exactly. Like, like you were Greek, but yeah. because you went to this expat type school, yeah, it, it, it kind of, you were able to claim more of your French heritage that way. Yeah. And you could obviously still get the Greek at home, but that made you like, well, I'm visiting here. I'm visiting everywhere. I'm, I'm exactly. Yeah. yeah I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I would have ended up in New York. Uh, had it not been for that school. I don't know yeah. if my mind, you know, my mindset would have been the right. Mindset. You might still be in Greece right now, you know? Yeah. 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 So you got to New York, you're 19. Are you, what so it's, uh, what do they say, like bright, uh, bright Lights, Big City, you know, yeah. it definitely felt that way. Um, I, uh, I finished university there. I, uh, I was a marketing major. Um, how, so I how, did, what made you do that? Like, did you just pick it out of a hat or did you get a sense that? I was a communications major in, in Paris already. Okay. Uh, which was broader than marketing. It was marketing, but also like film and video. So communications in a broader sense. Got it. And I felt like I was gravitating more towards the marketing courses. So when I moved to New York, I uh, continued in marketing. And, um, and then when I graduated, I was, uh, you know, I, I actually, uh, you know, was, was also dancing at the time. So I, I've, I've been dancing nice. since I was seven years old. My parents put me in a ballet class at seven, which was wow. another big pivotal moment in my in my my life for sure and that dance has stayed with me until now uh so i was uh, kind of having a what i call a professional hobby dancing and doing some auditions and a few shows here and there uh, but at the same time i um i got an internship in a market research firm quantitative research wow. so that was my first and that internship became a job so and that was kind of I wouldn't say that was proactive. It just kind of happened. It just happened. Um, and so that was my, my entry into the, the marketing professional world. And I left uh, the research firm after five years because I, I wasn't crazy about numbers and I wanted to see mm -hmm. what companies did with the insights after they got them. Right. right? So, <clears throat> and then I, um, and in the back of my mind, I was always very interested in advertising. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of, I really wanted to work for an agency and that agency I got sidetracked along the way uh, working for a dance company, the Parsons Dance Company in New York City, because I had, I had a dance bug too. So I, I said, you know, why don't I combine marketing and my love of dance? So let me do marketing for a dance company and, and see what that's like. Wow. Needless yeah. to, that was fun and I, I'm glad I did it. Uh, needless to say, the nonprofit world in the arts is, <laughs> in the US is a little challenging. It is a little challenging. Yeah. Um, so I did that. For a year and then I moved over to the agency side and that was uh that that was you know the m most of the my career for the for the uh, next you know, I, so I gotta imagine um having talked to you working at a quantitative marketing quantitative right is what you said yeah yeah so like all about the numbers research firm would have been challenging interesting in that it's a good basis to be exposed to the numbers but at the same time I, sure. I I could see being curious to know what are the actual words people are using not just what we're kind of like what category we're putting them into for a number but like what are the actual qualitative insights or you know the the objective things people are saying beyond the numbers so are you sorry are you asking me that or are you yeah, I just oh, okay. I, I wonder if you were you know you're like okay I, I see that the numbers but you yeah. almost more interested in what's the story behind it well or, that was exactly yeah. that's exactly my point that's yeah. what I wanted to see because we right. would deliver 
I would, you know, run the research and getting the interviews done and uh, get the data in and do the analysis and provide the, the report to the client, like a presentation of like, so this is what we interviewed, you know, 300 people and uh, this was a questionnaire and this is what we see, you know, is, is, this is what they said basically, right? Mm -hmm. And then you kind of slice the data however way you, the client wants it. But um, it's, uh, and then we would deliver that. So we would go, we'd have the meeting, big presentation. Yeah. Uh, Ta-da, here are all the insights. And then we would walk away. And I actually wanted to see, well, how, how does this segmentation analysis actually impact your marketing plan? Like, what are right. you doing with it? Right. Are you developing new products? Are you developing new ad campaigns? Right. Are you, are you changing anything? your messaging? Right. So that was the whole, that was the side that I wanted to see. And of course, going agency side, you get to do that for your clients. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then you, and then fast forward to later in life, like today, uh, when you go on the, the brand side, then you do it for yourself, you know, the company you, you, you're with. So, it's definitely fun uh, to do both, try different approaches and views and yeah. So there's always been constant, constant change in my life. It's kind of, I would say that's the theme. Um, I thrive on change. So I know you, you joked at the beginning about the, the COVID vi virus and, and, and that change. But um, yeah, it's been change, you know, change from country to country, change from uh, one industry to the other, right? So from quantitative research to dance to agencies to from small agencies to really big agencies, from advertising agencies to media agencies, um, and then from US-based roles to global roles mostly, yeah. and then now, you know, MediaFly. So um, I've always proactively looked for evolution. Um, Interesting. I, 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 I say that my, my comfort level is discomfort. My comfort is discomfort. If I'm comfortable, then I know that it's not enough for me and I'm not learning, I'm not, I'm not motivated enough. And so I'm, I'm, I am always looking for the next thing, right? What's the next thing I want to learn? How's, what is the next thing I want to do to challenge myself? And um, so whenever I have a, a, the role, whatever role I'm in, yep. yes, of course, I'm going to fulfill my role, but then I'm looking for other opportunities outside of that. Right. And that's, that's what has always got me to the next level or the next job right um and i mean even if media fly is a perfect example you know we started by talking about the fact that i'm i'm managing other teams beyond marketing and that's because i'm i'm out there looking for other problems to solve beyond marketing right you're looking for different sense? problems to solve right you I'm gotta just solve one problem yeah. and then settle yeah. down yeah. well marketing is doing fine everything else is jacked up but marketing's doing yeah. fine so i'm just gonna relax no you're like well what else can i improve kind of change that's cool it's very cool you know you mentioned that you know that some of the strategies that really helped you were being comfortable being uncomfortable and proactively looking for change if i were to offer you the opportunity because i may or may not have a time machine here in new hampshire <laughs> um, if i have a time machine you, you can use it after this covid thing's all done and you can go back and visit yourself after you graduate university it could, or it could be anywhere in your career what advice would you give yourself knowing all the things you've experienced and all the places you've been what what kind of things would you tell yourself i would tell myself trust yourself more you know trust yourself more you know more than you think mm -hmm. and the reason why i'm saying this is because 
you know, I'm going to get a little bit into the gender conversation here. Sure. You know, we, we know, uh, you know, from, from data, right, that, that, that women tend to underestimate themselves, under, underestimate their abilities, men tend to overestimate their abilities, right? Interesting. And, and uh, I mean, that's not me saying that. That's, you know, there's been plenty written, you know, about okay. this. Uh, and I, you know, I came, look, I came from a Mediterranean country, right? I came from a, call it like a traditional household where dad was uh, working, mom was a housewife. Right. Uh, mom was in a supporting role. She was the agreeable one, you know, so, and this is not an accusation on my mother. You're just saying it's the culture, right? It's a Mediterranean yeah. culture. And so, so, um, you know, I, and it wasn't a professional environment. I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't until I came to the, U, to the, to the U.S. that I saw women, you know, in, in corporate roles where the responsibility and all that. And it's yeah. kind of like this, what do they say? See her to want to be her? Yeah. Kind sure. of thing, right? Uh, and that took a while because my, my female, female role models were not, didn't have, you know, university degrees. I was the first one to, to you know, to go to school. Right. Uh, didn't have uh, careers, um, and I didn't have women within my immediate environment to look up to like this, right? And so it took it took a while to um, it took a while to, to to immerse myself in that environment in the U.S. and to feel like, hey, I can do that. I can do this too. Right. And, and despite that, I mean, this is the thing. Despite that, somehow because of my, I, I was still a risk taker, and I push for change and I took on bigger yeah. and bigger roles. So, so it still worked out well. It's right. not, it doesn't, it didn't work out well, but um, I don't think, I, I wish the, I don't know, the confidence and the trust in myself had been there sooner, but in hindsight, clearly it was there because I did push through boundaries and I, I took risks, but I, I um, still, I feel like there was a, there was an emotional, piece that was that was missing and I, I yeah. feel like if I had had if I had someone to say hey you like speak up you know meaning right right it's like, okay yeah you know like a at a younger at a younger age not later when you're you know you gain more confidence you have more yeah. successes behind you and then you get more, but earlier on in my career uh, that would have been that would have yeah. been a good thing you know I, I totally saw when you were describing like a role model in your immediate family or just someone you know close in the, mm -hmm. in the community that you can look up to it, it, and I think to your point you did have the courage you were trailblazing right you were just finding the path but maybe you didn't have like the lighthouse or the the light in the distance thing. exactly you I know I it was trying to I, figure it out instead of I knowing, completely I want to be figured out I figured yeah. it out completely by myself right a hundred percent that's I like how you just described that and um I feel like maybe if I had had you know, uh, more guidance from the, the, the very beginning. And then of course, later on you pick up mentors and sponsors and whatnot, but you know, maybe I would have gotten along the path more quickly. Sure. That makes sense. And whether or not you would have listened to, at that age to them, you would have at least seen them and been like, yeah. I don't know. And I wonder, do you go back and visit family in Greece? And yes, yes. Of course my family's I, still I there. I have were that person for some of your, the, the, the girls in your family you know i wonder if they see you and you're like wow she's a cmo they do. in chicago they do. <laughs> and... they, they, they do i mean they you know that's yes you know there's um 
and it's good. I mean, it's good to be uh, to be the role model, right? Yeah. And uh, and like I said, I mean, it's you know, and I'm the typical immigrant story, sure. right? So to first uh, coming from uh, at the time it was a developing country. I mean, Greece is now you know part of the EU, and we're doing better, but. Um, coming from a Mediterranean country oh, yeah. and being the first, nobody in my, in my, my family had ever gone to university before being the first one with a degree, the first, all the others first, right? So it is, it is very, in, very much the, the perfect immigrant story in a way that I think only the, only still only this country can. can it's amazing. Yeah. What a yeah. story, you know, and, and you, you didn't, you didn't have a lot of the, you didn't have the educational role models, the career ones like, mm -hmm. Oh, I own the, business or I'm a CMO or any of that but but they got you in that school where you started being exposed to other people and diplomat children and all sorts of things and it just sort of started you know gave you the exposure and then you just kind of took it and ran with it I mean end up in New York and you're 19 and you're like let's do this That's yeah really and you know the New York thing is funny I know that I just called my mother and I said I'm going to New York what'd she say okay yeah uh, hey, she was she's worried. Like freaking out, like. She was worried. No, she wasn't freaking out completely because I had my parents were very supportive and they, uh, um, you know, my mother always says, "I raised you so you can fly, fly on your own." Oh wow! Right. So. Uh, did, she, did she say that in French or did she say that in English? She says it in French, actually. I imagine that would it sound really Greek cool. too, what but she that? says it in French. How do you say that in French? Ah, do you really want to hear it? Yeah. Ah, je t'ai je t'ai élevé pour que tu puisses voler de tes propres ailes, vol de tes propres ailes. It's like fly, fly on your own. Is, oh, is, wow. uh, fly with your own wings is really the literal translation, and she still says this to this day. She's very it's, proud of me. Fly with your own wings. Yeah. Wow. It's sweet. She, she was giving you some of that courage behind the scenes. That's that's really cool. Yeah, fly even despite wings. the distance. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard for parents. You know, I'm very far away, and my mom is older now and now that she's older it's even harder for her yeah but you um yeah i i was lucky i mean they supported me they trusted me and um they believed in me and uh you know you get into you get into your routine with your family when for those of us again who live very far away from them yeah. and are immigrants and we, you get used to it you do your your once a year visits or your twice <laughs> a year visits and your weekly phone calls and if you miss that sunday phone call oh my god <laughs> what happened you know, the, you okay? the phone rings <laughs> 10 times, you know, mom is searching for you. So, you know, you have, you have your routines and it's a different kind of relationship. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not the same, you know, you, there's, there's, there's sacrifices for real. Yeah, for Frozen sure. and cons to everything. So have, have you ever, have you done FaceTime or got her on Zoom? So we just started. Yeah. We had done it a few times, but now given the, the COVID situation, I don't know, it just kind of, um, I, I wanted to do that more with yeah. her. Maybe because I'm doing more with others, and we started doing it. So we, our weekend calls are on WhatsApp now. So my sister, oh. my, from my sister's phone and mine, and oh, my mother loves it. She's it like, does what? The video too? Does she do the, the video? The video, exactly. Yeah. yeah. She said to me, she's like, so I don't understand why. So why? How come we can do this now and we weren't doing it before? And I'm like, well, but no, we could always do it before. We just weren't <laughs> doing it, but the technology was always there. Right. She's like, oh okay, yeah, let's continue to do this. And she gets really, uh, also, I think she gets kind of distracted by the video and gets really excited into it. So, I mean, you know, we all have our issues with our parents. Most of us do, you know, there's, there's, there's good aspects of the relationship and bad aspects of the relationship. We have our conflict, right? 
and and somehow because of the excitement of the video it's a very it's a it's a it's a fun conversation as yeah. opposed to like there's no complaining we're not talking about you know bad stuff and frustrations it's just all fun because we get to see each other so yeah. it's working it's <laughs> It's something magic about that. Like when you think about being isolated and whatnot, I mean, even at, so my company is completely remote. So we've, we've always been remote. So it's kind of interesting now with everyone having to be remote, we've kind of been doing this for a while, but we've yeah. always done video calls internally because otherwise, man, the, it, you just see the difference, you know, doing a phone call is one thing, but when you can see each other, especially on the regular basis, there's, there'll be sometimes we get together for a company retreat once a year, all everyone together. I'll see someone and be like, oh, great to see you again, you know, and they're like, we've actually never met. This is the first time we're meeting, but I feel like we've known each other for a while Yeah, because we see yeah. each other all the time. It makes a big difference. But hey, we talked about technology. See, we love we technology. Yeah. This yeah, is definitely not a great. Bullet. This it's is not just... going to fix your relationship with your parents. but Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> Tell me about dance because I know that was a big part of your life and we talked more about marketing, but you started at seven. And it was ballet, and it was in Greece, and they had a ballet school. <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, it was ballet. It was in Greece. Um, I loved it. I was really good at it uh, somehow. And then I went from ballet to uh, when I went to university in Paris, and I transitioned into modern. And then okay. it, when I moved to New York, I transitioned into. Uh, musical theater and jazz oh, cool. and you know it's new york right it's yeah. the mecca of dance so um and then later in life so i was doing it more as a hobby but a uh, very intense hobby so right so I, i'm not sure which comes at the time what came first in my life whether it was work or dance but they're pretty <laughs> equal right? dance. so it's really it's 50 50 it is really it? Yeah, is. Okay. So, so i mean yeah. I'm, i was dancing almost every day you know at uh. night after work um, taking classes, sometimes doing performances and things like that. And then in my, later in my 30s, I got into partner dancing, so okay. social dancing. Oh, no so, kidding. Okay. You know, ballroom or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. And I started with salsa. I started with salsa oh, in New York cool. and, uh, and I got very serious with it. I actually joined a performance team and again, we were doing events and performances and wow. I did that for almost like 10 years and fast forward to later in Chicago, I, uh, and then I did, did other things. I, I do the Latin hustle, which is disco, you know, back from seventies, right. um, West Coast swing. So there's a few partner dances, but the, uh, when I moved to Chicago, I discovered uh, Kizomba, which is a, a, a African dance from Angola, which is in Southwest Africa. It's it's like tango. How do you spell that? Key zamba. Yeah, K I Z O M B A. Not to be confused with zumba. I was saying it sounds similar. No, 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 no. It's kizamba. It's a part. So it's a partner dance, okay. and it's uh, the best way I can describe it in plain language is it's it's like tango. So it's a walking dance. It's it's close embrace, right? You dance closely, and the man leads, and the woman walks. And of course, the music is very different because it's African, it's African. very melodic, it's very percussion based. Yeah. And long story short, I got into it and I got it so seriously that I, I'm not, I'm teaching. I've been teaching for five years uh, because my instructor, the, the one of the instructors I was taking lessons with, uh, who is from Angola, so he's been dancing since he was a, you know, since he can walk. Right. Uh, 
he asked me to teach with him and um and so we're you know we teach in chicago locally and we also teach across the country at, at festivals on the wow. weekends so i call it my professional hobby and uh and then through kizomba because it's an african dance i end up getting into west african traditional dances okay uh, and that's not something i teach it's something i do for myself and um and as a result of that i've been back to west africa twice already i had been to africa before for vacation safaris wow, okay. but now i've gone uh, the last few years i went to senegal and then i went to guinea um so no Tanzania, uh, to do, to do, no Tanzania yet. No, you'll have to tell me about this. I will. Uh, so, and I, I, I went there for dance intensives, right? So you go for wow. like two or three weeks and they beat the crap out of you basically for wow. you know, dancing four or five hours a day and getting Jeez. you to look better than you do today. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Afri it's like pretty amazing. African dance. Like that's so, it's so neat that you would start out with just a very, very traditional you know, European ballet, right? Ballet, yeah. Right. And then you would transition and find different ways to express yourself salsa you know what your dancing is very much like your schooling and your personality your education the different you're you're comfortable the different you've been dancing different continents you've got the europe you've got the u.s <laughs> and the modern and the and the south america with the latin yeah. thing and then also now africa yeah and like you we know, have left you have australia and you have asia i've danced there too i've been there uh the, the <laughs> well, most so uh, dance, that's an amazing thing about dance. Like it's a tribe, you find your tribe, yeah. right? If you're a Kizomba dancer and you're on vacation in Australia, you're gonna find Kizomba dancers there. If you're, no kidding. If you're a tango dancer, you're gonna find tango dancers wherever you are. The best, one of the best salsa dances I have ever had was in a hole in the wall bar in the Peruvian Andes. I still remember that dance. So it was the guy, the guy that was leading me was amazing. And you just bumped into this like world class, I, amazing dancer. Dancer, yeah. I think we we looked it up and we were in Cusco, which is kind of like the the base for the folks who want to do the Machu Picchu, the Machu Picchu and stuff. Yeah. And uh, and I think we looked it up and we were like salsa in in Cusco and uh, and yeah, and there was a, a salsa night and we went. <laughs> I was with my my boyfriend at the time. And um, there were some great dancers. And it's the same thing with, I mean, pick your dance. Like I said, it's a tribe, right? Yeah. So, uh, and I'm sure wow. it's, like this for any it's like this for any hobby. Right. Yeah, so, well, but I think there's something magical about <laughs> the dance side too, though, because you get movement and music and social. It's one of those hobbies that brings you together with people. That's exactly, I love that part. And I also love the fact that, you know, dance has kept me sane in the mm. sense that, you know, our, you know, our jobs are demanding. And when, if I've had a, a really challenging day at work and I'm on the dance floor that night, yeah. there is no way that while I'm on the dance floor, I'm thinking about work. There is no way. Right. Because I have to think about what I'm doing. That's true. I have to put to my partner. And so it's, it's, it's complete escape from the rest of your life. Yeah. Because if I don't focus, I'm on a, Fall on my ass, right? I mean, totally it's, it's it. not going to work. So, so uh, there's no doubt that that dance has um, helped me through. Um, just keep it, keep it together. I mean, there's no, there's no question, there's no question. And when I don't dance, if I go through phases where I don't dance, which is very, very rare, 
But like right now, for example, right? We can oh, yeah. dance. Um, you going a little crazy without the dance? I'm going a little crazy, yeah. yeah although, although one of my African dance instructors is actually doing the, the lessons on video, on Zoom. Oh, wow. So I, uh, I haven't tried it yet, but apparently he's been doing it for two weeks. He's been very successful. Wow. So that's the uh, West African traditional dance, which you dance alone, right? So that's fine. But we can't, we can't do Kizomba right now. I can't teach Kizomba on video because you need to have a partner. Oh, got it. So, you know, social distancing and everything. So, yeah. 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 You know what? It's supposed to be like large groups too. So I know we're kind of all been like, don't want to talk to anybody, but you know, one or two people, I mean, as long as you don't go crazy. With I know. Them. I know. I'm thinking about it. I'm being very, very strict. We all are. Thing. I don't know why. We just are. And you're right. Like I walked five people and you just, no one wants to, um, it's like, I know. I, you know, and God forbid you cough, like everybody looks at oh, you like you're I know. Playing. Oh I, my God. I had this allergy cough, or I don't know, maybe it was a real thing. I don't know, but you're right. That clears the room. <laughs> that might be a new strategy. Go to a movie theater, just cough a couple times, and then everyone's just like, peace, I'm out. Yeah, exactly. If you, you, want, the room, if you want the room to yourself. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah. one thing, one last thought. You said yeah, something yeah. that was, was funny to me because my mother has said the same thing. So see, you sound like my mother. Uh, no, oh, you that's, said that's a good thing, right? I think it's a good thing. My mom is okay. great. Okay, yeah, hey, she's, very, she's very high energy and she's very witty. Uh, oh, then so, I'm, no, I'm you perfectly made, like your mother. Absolutely. You made she's, a comment. Is she good looking too, and like very intelligent? And oh, my mother is incredibly good looking. Oh, oh I mean, she yeah, yeah. she's a uh, and and she's not muscular though. Like What's her you. name? What's she's your not muscular name? like you. Uh, oh, yes, thank you. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> her name. Her name is yeah. Rhea. Her name is uh, Rhea. Oh, a shout out to her. I'm sure she'll have oh, to listen to your you. podcast interview. I don't know about that. We'll no, maybe see. not. No, but you made a comment. You made a comment about how I went from something very kind of uh, traditional, like ballet, all the way to a formal, or all the way to African dance. And my mother said exactly the same thing. She's like, "Wow, you went from one extreme to the other." Yeah. You know, it's like ballet. That's the most like strict yeah. rules. You cannot like you know, get out of the box, which is why, why I stopped doing it, by the way, like very highly regulated dance to yeah. traditional African dance, which is the, the most extreme expression of freedom and individuality in movement. Interesting. I'm going to definitely Google this, look up some YouTube videos afterward. Yeah. And I it's a great it. exercise too, by the way. Yeah. I highly recommend it. You know, um, my daughter's trying to do the ballet lessons virtually right now. Mm. Um, she's been doing that and uh, as a dance dad I've, I've seen the nutcracker a few few more times than i envisioned <laughs> as a as a young man uh i've never <laughs> seen it i've seen it i think three times now oh. um I'm, every year i think i'll see it um but well you <laughs> know and then there's like swan lake and Giselle uh, and the please i can't wait for it it's because beautiful. it's a tradition but you know i mean come on there's something to be said for tradition i broke with ballet for many years i was very anti-ballet for a long long time and then I went back into uh, the classics, you know, just performances yeah. and watching and stuff and going to the theater. And I realized, I'm like, you know, sometimes you need the tutus. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good. In, in the shoes. The point shoes. And, yeah. Or the, yeah. Yeah. And the nymphs and the princesses and, you know, the princes. And yes. All, so. And the jacked dude in the nutcracker who can lift everyone up. And you're like, that guy must work out. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. They and all he do. does. Yeah. yeah. There's a, a couple guys that, that do the performance in New Hampshire here. Every year, it's the same guy. And you're just like, yeah, they are just these like, like superheroes. And they're just picking up, doesn't matter who you are. They're picking you up, 
Well, you know, and they're also 25 years old, by the way, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I don't know. They could be. I have no idea how old they are. No, they're young. I'll be 25, too. That, I'll take it. Uh, I was thinking the other day, though, wouldn't it be cool to be like that dude? But I don't know. I don't know how it would be cool. You should yeah. try sometime. Yeah. Actually, I do want to learn. Um, uh, um, I've done some dancing lessons before where uh, you know, classical and Latin. I'm all about the Latin. Music, I know, I uh, reggaeton, it. bachata, yeah. like all of that. I love that <laughs> kind of music. Yeah. Um, but then also, I really had this hankering to like learn tap dancing. I don't know where this oh, is coming. Wow. I feel like yeah. a really like maybe sound uh, not sound of music. Um, uh, singing in the rain. You know. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just feel like I need to do this um, and annoy everyone in my family hearing me. <laughs> but like I've looked up the shoes, and then it's just hard to find you know, instruction as an adult, right? It's no, like, I don't think so. No, not in Chicago, no, but New no, Hampshire. No. I'd have to drive quite a bit to, uh, to find some places. Oh, maybe, yeah. But you'll find something. Yeah, or I, someone, uh, just did, randomly at a bar. You didn't know how to, can you teach me tap? <laughs> like, I don't, uh, I don't know that many people who, do, who tap dance, although I met someone uh, a few weeks ago and she's, she's 70 years old and she's, uh, she just started doing tap dancing. She's yeah, also a dancer. Yeah. Like once a dancer, always a dancer. I'll be dancing until I die, like with a cane. Uh, and your feet will still be moving after that. Yeah, probably. I'll be actually. laying down and they'll still be moving. Yeah. So, uh, so it's never too late. But no, I haven't done tap dance, but I do. I do love it. It's it's fun to watch. So you should yeah. try that. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm gonna. I gotta pick it up. You gotta. You guys get some fancy shoes and whatnot, and just. You know. Just and the music is great. Up. I mean, that's the thing oh, I yeah. love jazz and all that, right? Yeah. It's, oh it's yeah. Fun. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have to send me a, you'll have to send me a video of you tap dancing. I'm waiting. Yeah. Okay. I'll work on it. I'll That's your homework. That's my homework. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll be fun. Well, hey, where can people connect with you if they want to reach out, learn more from you, um, learn more about MediaFly, and what are some good URLs, social sites? So yeah. So I'm uh, most active on LinkedIn, okay. really. So look me up there, Isabel Papulias. Um, and uh, mediafly.com okay. to get information on Mediafly. Also, I highly recommend the uh, uh, evolvedselling.com. Again, that's evolvedselling.com. That's the Evolved Selling Institute. It's, um, it's connected to Mediafly, but the, uh, that's where we have all of our thought leadership and oh, cool. uh, a lot of great content. And uh, that's where we, ho we host our podcast with... Uh, uh, sales and marketing and business, you know, yeah. luminaries as I call them, okay. um, with Tom Pizzello, our chief evangelist at MediaFly. So I highly recommend you check out the Evolve, uh, Evolve Selling Institute. Yeah. Um, those are the main ones. Okay, awesome. What am I, no, what I, am I missing? I, I went else? to EvolveSelling.com. I'll have to check that out. And uh, yeah, see what we can learn so, from there. So That's definitely awesome. re reach out if you have any questions or just to introduce yourself. I love meeting uh new new folks on linkedin and yeah. uh, cmos or marketing leads and uh you know l learn what they're doing and uh get ideas i mean I, I i love that i love uh just the what now we're doing virtual coffee chats but i, I love right. the the meeting people sort of like talking over coffee and uh yeah. and I'm, i listen to a lot of podcasts you know for that reason i mean i definitely yeah. get ideas i think that you know never stop learning for sure I don't, yeah. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything about marketing and I'm always learning new things from, from people. So hopefully I, um, 
uh, folks have also learned a few things from me today I, and some I ideas so. of inspiration and uh, would love to continue that discussion. Well, you know what? To be honest, I know they learned something because I did. I literally have two pages of notes over here. Nice. So, um, uh, I know I did. And so for those listening, if you learn something, we know this is true, share this episode with someone else. Get the word out. Share the lessons we talked about. You know, what a CMO, what you should focus on, how to focus, look broad, have goals. There's so much stuff we talked about. Get this in other people's hands so they learn um, be a global citizen. Get this information out there. Um, Isabel, thank you so much for being here. This has been a blast. Casey, thank you so much. I had a lot of fun and we're all looking forward to your uh, tap dancing career. Yes, tap dancing on top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Let's make yes. it happen. <laughs> awesome. And well, for everyone else out there listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors, Cheshire Impact helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway, if you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to Qualified.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you and that book will be on its way to your door. All right, we'll see you all in the next one.